Should we try it out? Yeah, I think that was playing. Yeah. I don't know. I think all poets. I'm kind of poet. Okay. That's good. Yeah, I can modulate. Cool. Now you know. Yeah. <laughs> Hi everybody, welcome. Thanks for your patience. Uh, this is the second and penultimate event in the fall 2016 new writing series. Uh, thanks to the, uh, the Department of Literature for their support and to the uh, Visual Arts and SME facility and to the Dean's Office of Humanities for their support. Um, I just want to kind of make a comment about the, uh, the kind of sacred sound space of a, uh, of a, of a reading. Uh, and so in that, in that sense, I would like to kind of, um, as much as we focus on the reader uh, and, and Harmony's performance and, and words, I would also like us to focus on our own silence. Uh, so... If you could turn your phones on quiet, uh, if you could, if you're typing your notes for your responses to your class, uh, if you could type them very gently. Uh, this room has kind of severe acoustics and it can be very distracting to have uh, lots of other kinds of noise in your ear. Uh, also, if you have to leave uh, early for any reason, uh, please wait to an appropriate spot. Uh, the, these benches are totally made out of highly resonant uh, material, and so uh, I hope that you can stay for the whole thing. That would be best. Uh, so uh, we have a double treat. I'm really excited to hear Holiday, uh, Harmony's reading, and, uh, and in, in advance of that, I'm excited to hear Calvin Walds uh, introduce her work. So uh, Calvin, could you take the mic, please? Thanks. Here's Calvin. Here's your work. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, hey, everyone. Um, so in our class, we read um, Harmony Holiday's um, Go Find Your Father and Famous Blues, which is a pistolary text, um, a series of letters to her father, Jimmy Holiday. 
Um, so in kind of keeping with that tradition of the letter, we decided to write um, kind of a letter to Harmony. Um, so first, a quote um, from James Baldwin. Um, in his essay, The Use of the Blues, he writes, I want to talk about the blues not only because they speak of this particular experience of, of life and this state of being, but because they contain the toughness that manages to make this experience articulate. I am engaged in the discussion of craft, or to use a very dangerous word, art. And I want to suggest that the acceptance of this anguish one finds in the blues and the expression of it creates also, however odd this may sound, a kind of joy. Fred Moulton in an unpublished essay, Black Ops, writes, for me, color plus beauty equals blackness, which is not nothing other than who and deeper still where I am. My optimism, black optimism, is bound up with what is it to claim blackness and the apositional runaway black operations that have been thrust upon it. And finally, to Harmony Holiday. Your work shows us that it's possible to hold it all together in poetry, to encompass questions of family, our fathers to find our fathers, and mothers and siblings, our role models as artists, our contradictions, complexities, and instances of hurt, history, and an ever-expanding archive of sound, of our blues, beautiful blues, sometimes mournful, sometimes joyful, our past that shapes our making, teaching us how to look at and write stories and contracts and receipts and vinyl presses that have been a lighter and misheard, showing us to hold a difficult archive, to pull out pieces and make sense of them. And Go Find Your Father, Famous Blues, Harmony Holiday, plays in the plural identities of daughter and executor, survivor and aftermath. This plural subject sits amidst the cacophony of sounds, poetics and lyrics, songs and echoes, both bone spurs of reference and deep text woven into the page. This space, this musical poetics creates its ambient, but enacted music as a force that bends and fractures and reviews, bringing out family secrets and a shared unspoken word of, world of sound on page textures with a backroom legalism that divides works and worker. Harmony Holiday is a writer, dancer, archivist, myth scientist. She is the author of Negro League Baseball, Go Find Your Father, Famous Blues, and Hollywood Forever, which came out this year. She curates the Afrosonics Archive of Jazz Poetics and Audio Culture. As an excerpt from the Poetry Foundation's page on Harmony Holiday, it says her work tests the limits of language and memory, pushing at the elasticity of both poems and prose. Thank you. Thank you for that intro. Thanks. Um, this okay. Can you guys hear me? Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Hopefully, this is good sound. Um, I know where Ben is. Point person. Oh, there you are. Um, I'm reading for like an hour, 30, or how long do we, 30 minutes, okay, just want to time myself. All right, well, thank you guys. So I'm going to read around. I'm going to read some new stuff um, from the book Hollywood Forever, and I'm going to play samples and stuff in and out while I read, and I might read some stuff from Go Find Your Father since you guys read it so you can hear how it sounded in my head. Um, and fittingly, I'll start with just James Baldwin speaking. Okay. 
Well, I think all poets, and I'm a kind of poet, caught in a situation, which is a kind of pre-revolutionary situation, have a very difficult role to play. And um, insofar as they're real poets, they are committed to the welfare of people, of all people. But they don't always read this welfare as simply as politicians might. Our effort is to, is, to, is to try to bear witness to something which will have to be there when the storm is over. We shook that in Los Angeles. I've come here to lash out. I've come here to reclaim my tenderness, which is not linear, and I'm trying to remember the white mink coat I wore on the plantation, but it all fades to war paint and we wake up in Los Angeles. His isn't a vacant smile, but it leaks rage and lazy insight. Mine isn't a shattered praise, but it returns aloof from the dream, reciprocal, and we still wake up in Los Angeles. We hit the pitched Iowa road like convicts in his landless motor, saw a white god in Texas and a black one in shackles, and we still woke up in Los Angeles. The choked up mecca of our carbon black masks, this fame, that ass, etc. Put the good brand on television with a live studio audience, watching him repeat the same rehearsed affection to sell beer and candy. And right in the middle of my laugh, I felt this crazy urge to cry. So a little bit about Hollywood Forever. Um, it is sort of about celebrity and jazz culture and the private lives of some of those um, celebrities and also 60s political figures interwoven with that um, and kind of the parallel roads of the music and the um, revolutionary spirit of that time. So there's a lot of um, image and there's gonna be a digital version that also has sound with it. So in like, for example, that poem has a, clip about butt injections and women who died from them that's running through the line. So it's the form is um, around those types of things. Right. Not to elaborate on a thrill, but to teach the monotonous silhouette of morals that it does not matter, that all gates open on one witness who is the same witness, and the grapes beg you to eat them for before they rot in the cemetery of obedience or sever in their distracted beauty and turn to the part of you opening some logo window. I'm a paint my, safe, my face, I'm a play myself. The salt in the way could light up a room. The voice on the radio could bloom into daddy. Is that you? Is Stevie Wonder still alive, confusing sight and sound, murder and suicide, love and value, black beauty, you still alive? Is that half darkness, miraculous, radiant and fugitive? Is it running from and to you like our Saturday witness, giddy with useless information, our kid, our kid, where is he? Check the grass, check the skittles, dance blacker, bend the will of his shackles that way over there. No matter how many arrest records we search, the beauty is in this shame today. Lately, 
easy and paid all niggas, all of us, after Mingus. And the blues man, of course, or the blues woman is someone who begins with the catastrophic. The blues is an autobiogra autobiographical chronicle of a personal catastrophe expressed lyrically. It's a lyrical response to the monstrous. Like the first sentence in Kafka's Metamorphosis, Gregor Sampson wakes up from an uneasy dream. The blues responds to the catastrophic with compassion, without drinking from the cup of bitterness, not with revenge, but with justice. That's the blues sensibility. You let that love inside you be expressed, even though it's hard for it to be translated into love or justice on the ground. That's a great lesson in this age of terrorism. What I have in mind is a tragicomic view in which compassion responds to catastrophe by blues. I don't mean just a particular art form. It's really a way of life that that, that art form helped popularize. Um, I might play something while I read the next piece. Just some like background music. <laughs> the mic is up. You guys can hear me. Well, okay. This is. I will not be punished, I will not be tortured, I will not be guilty. But back to little boy blue, his eyes are closed, he's holding two roses, one pink and one red. His mother above him has the most beautiful calves and hands of black rapture as she readies more flowers that her son might fit around King's casket. That's our King. As Fetish objects will fight you and keep winning. The satisfaction in this young boy's eyes when they flutter open is not sinister yet, not stolen from forgetting, not a fetish of his stylized shame yet. Shame gets styled as devil may care, wild coward, see Kanye West, see namelessness or corners, best hard liquor, Obama fried chicken twerk competition, nor is it an accident that this violence is also peace that one black man gunned down on the balcony in Memphis turns into this beautiful boy kneeling in a heap of our fresh most roses humming the loose notes of a blues called I want my oppressor to save me too or the deepest condolences of the American people. Tradition is not what we think it is. Do we think it is? Kawaida a little, the dusk wilts, the sun kills questions. There are no seeds left in the watermelon. The woman who eat them will be barren also and they want their oppressors to save them too. Digression will be the most fertile substance left. Yes, our legacy. Yes, listen to jazz again against what light our native language, our only language, a syntax of digression, of falling apart and coming together with new intentions like the sun's best muscles, tropical truth, shine on them hose. Tradition is not what we think it is, do we think it is? The tradition of leaders in the sun with their killers, the tradition of mistresses weeping on Monday, wives burning grease in their vindictive slum, and someone always wants it to be Christmas. The time when everyone wants to live the way our king was living, and everyone but the king is living the way our king didn't want to live on our knees in these beds of flowers. In a time of crisis, the mundane will become heroic again. It will matter that you know where to patch the water and how to work this barren land, how to pretend you don't need the man while he's with his children and still feed him the hunt when he comes for it again. How to trim the stems and angle and hand them to little boy blue without tensing your beautiful calves toward the hint of infinity in them. Our blue boy is heroic in a time of crisis. Do you recognize him? He lives the way our king hopes to live on his knees in a bed of roses coveted raided with mercy, a warning pointing in every direction at once our 
getaway totem halting beyond the frontier of revolt or toward a morality of stoicism that you could even call spookism. The black entertainers love called blues. Settlers wanted to disappear and become tribesmen. Niggas wanted to reappear and settle again. Land was never meant to be owned or handled like currency moan with me hush. The clean surge of opposition was too pleasure pleasurable to be called the seven names always, 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 stay with me, always stay. Spake the play, warring factions, lovers ashamed to claim one another except in a mercy of mutual sabotage. But nothing in Hollywood is tragic or romantic as our bloody black hero approving of his solitude traps himself in them truce attention as savior and villain go same on celluloid so black pain is like everywhere trending young and going platinum hush now don't explain transformation is some annex of morality when you just want to fuck a leader if you can keep me I want to stay here where the phantoms are us and hustlers have fallen asleep in the middle of their stuff and it's such good stuff they dream you're always puckering at the wrong moment and your emptiness glistens out on that limb and emptiness is slang for gushing for authority and you're fearless finally infinite and finite at the same time let's see a tentative smile as we reunite for capital and fold our yankee dollars into slang for sorrow posing as concentration on that vibration just ahead of utterance Trembling puzzle, trembling pleasure. Let's think it loud and not say it yet, like how we're living for ender, forever under the pressure of what turns out to be our very own power. The word agency, mouth, turns into three women, all me, peeking at their reflections in his smoothest brass. I'm waiting for the sun to unravel like a black father addicted to music, listening himself to tears in a fit of silence, because that's more natural than all the trees we've ever smoked or hung from, to be the son of that father and to love someone beyond himself for it. And censorship can't fix Coretta's story, nor yours. It's perfect, vulgar, tender, sworn to openness. us back to us um, a victim 
and victimized image of ourselves. And yet, would we really be here today if, if the slave people were that victimized? And how is it that we can't then imagine them outside the frame of that? This is called What Jimmy Taught Me. To be born yellow into a household where the black man rules with his fists and the white wife body livid with devotion, hip enough to confuse trouble with love or whatever it was, such the lucky one to come up so un-American. Thankful one in whose imagination the country danger is so ambient and precise of source it vanishes and with each departure more affectionate machines panting to run the dream between hope and habit. I wanted to say this more clearly. In what ways did watching your black father beat your white mother empower you as a brown baby? In a blue way, is there anything so cruel, so crude as to say you felt each of your hands in their puppet throats as they screamed for help in unison, but only one was hunted for room within the invisible listener, only one could pray that far? I wanted to say this more clearly trustless of a soul who hadn't suffered. He tore hers toward him, and I arrived as a kind of vengeance. The many versions of war worn raw by their sex come to be as a treacherous piece of empty packs and broken chessmen were scattered all over the room. It's like being the last person alive. is uh, forensics outside of Miles Davis's jail cell. I don't know if you know Miles, like the story, some backstory of where he was beaten and arrested and sort of was a major shift in his career um, outside of a concert of his at the Vanguard. And so the cover of this book is a scene with his wife who was a dancer and him. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, intervention. Um, and him coming out of that jail cell. So forensics outside of Miles Davis's jail cell. There is a rose there, scarecrow, fearless crow, go on, Miles, my scarecrow hijacked by exposition. I mean, there's a blank hand and a cloying reddened, and then again, scent belongs in it. Tentative city, wrong hint, front row, rose, slow jailbird, blow up flower into four thirds of how. There is an officer holding a rose out for the black hero he just clubbed out in front of the vanguard club about panic and art. Far out, and power and disaster far out, man far out. There is an official rose ducking between the bars. Let's harder, he's gonna fuck his wife tonight when they get home. Tender, then harder, he's gonna fuck her up until she runs into the subtle nowhere yard for how hard the cop hit him. He's gonna charge at her sobbing with his fists and embrace me brackets and you and carve a mask into the prettiest fact until she understands and you don't know what love is either. We're all full of nightmares, but isn't your biggest nightmare becoming some prissy little thing who's always been living happily ever after? There is this ambivalence that I must deal with. How do I deal with it? How? Originally a dancer, are you certain they're talking about the same butterfly McQueen gone with the wind, gone, leaving, get out? 
and where were her children who was watching them while the trauma of fences and Scarlett O'Hara is my mother's favorite heroine. She's rolling down a spiral staircase, right? When the police come, we know our fathers push them, but sometimes we wonder if it was us, if we're in cahoots with every oppressor on every side because we're that powerful, that ruthless, that abiding, that ambivalent. You guys know about Jasmine Richards in Pasadena, or have you heard about her story? She's like a part of the Black Lives Matter movement, and she was um, charged with felony lynching, which is the first time that that law has been used to incriminate or try to incriminate a black person, because it was a lynching law. Um, she was charged with that just for protesting in the Black Lives Matter movement, so this is for her. Um, the attempted lynching of Jasmine Richards. I'm so happy for this. I found a star tree leaf. The blonde boy screeches, running up to his obese, equally blonde sister. He shows her the plucked green star. She giggles, yeah, and they run off somewhere. There's a small lizard in the parched grass and a toy drone in the sky above it, buzzing, swerving over some kind of fat camp, congregated, playing freeze tag, whites, Mexicans, and me in the grass in my tiny red bikini reading James Baldwin, God save this American Republic. Jasmine Richards, a young black activist from Pasadena, California, has been charged with felony lynching. That's almost funny, but no. I caress my throat, checking for rope. It was something she said, something beautiful, calling all hoods, gangs, and sets, the wet church on television with the bomb in the basement. Every black girl needs a diamond-studded leotard in a flooded church. I carve out the headline and run down that red hill past the fat camp and the blonde ambition in awe of my blunt innocence. Mama, they wanted to see us fly like star leaves, collector's items, us black kites of empire. Even your daughter is a runaway slave, even me. She shrugs, yeah, and turns up the volume on her Martin rerun. I am so happy for this. The blood in the grass is blue. for dreamers, for drummers. I wake up thinking about music true to my own code, true to my code. In the distance, I can still see these cops beating him over the head, eternity number one on the head with sticks. Up close, America was looking for talented rebels to point the way out of this deadbeat conformity. When he got home, I didn't know if I was gonna get a little beating or get made love to. In his eyes, I could still see these cops beating him over the head with sticks. We turn on a nice, beautiful ballad like all the things and get in bed. In the divinity of it all, I think they have to be forgiven both eternities, all the blues, ideas, Uncle Sam's cold war cultural army still tripping over its mission today, the very funny religion, the black Madonna so righteous in her sin, all of the monstrous devotion, all of him, all of me, and when I say this, it is full of admiration for this jungle, its rituals of repetition and non-repetition. It's not that I hate it, I love it. I love it very much, but I love it against my better judgment to enter that transcendent field we started in, were born in. You must assimilate those opposites it gazes at, and then you have to testify as them, one by one, alone. 
and then suddenly, absent-mindedly even, you have killed the dragon and tasted its blood, and you can be the song of nature. How are we good? Yeah, I'm going to intervene with some samples, and then... reflex. We're the lucky ones. We reach the part of surpassing someone where we can stop at becoming them and don't. Has your father instructed you? Yes. Do you know where creatures go when they pass away? No. Do you know how they come back? Now do you know the two ways, where the two ways separate one going to the gods, the other to the father? Not yet. Do you know why the yonder world is never filled? No, not yet. Do you know how it is that the fifth libation comes to be called man? No. Then why did you say you were instructed? We're the lucky ones. We reach the part of surpassing someone where we can stop at becoming them and don't happy leap over the invisible counterplayer to where the mangled enigma trusts us with its secrets and before we know it, we're the lucky ones. We reach the part of surpassing someone where we can stop at becoming them and we're the lucky ones. We can hold on to the blood, all the blood in the world and still be ourselves. We don't disappear. So have you guys heard of like what a mukbang is? Does anyone know what that is? 
It's these eating shows that are really popular on YouTube. Does anyone know? <laughs> Heard of them. So it's just like people like sit down and like eat a lot of food all at once, and people watch. Um, and the last section in this book is about um, different like black science and the way the black body, um, the health or the degeneration of the black body here. So, um, anyways, this is called Your Mukbang Made Me Weep. A morbidly obese black boy named Jasper sits at his dormitory desk with three buckets of hot wings and turns on his camera, presses record, begins eating wings and talking into the camera about the food and how he's living. He is making a mukbang or eating show that he will upload to YouTube. It receives 500,000 views in the first week fame scene. I see how this could kill me, he jokes about a particularly hot piece of dripping wet meat, survivor's guilt, the 40, for 45 minutes, he eats for us, performs hunger and satiation, emblems longing and retreat. Is this a song? Is he singing, watching in a soft trance? I feel like he's singing to me, for me, a blues. He intends to program my desire into solidarity with his, but I feel no hunger, no longing, no retreat, no satisfaction. I am part of a numb landscape in which his performance takes shapes, a passive enabler, we coexist. What does a fetish object fetishize? Men like to watch women eat dick night after night. Women watch men devour wings. Now who's flying? Now you get to watch Korean women eat Obama fried chicken live from Seoul. Apollo amateur night be good or be gone style eating. Crucial to a successful mukbang is the volume of food. There must be so much it seems po impossible for one person to finish. And by the end, only piles of bones and oil slicks in this papier ocean. The eating show must mimic the killing field. Casually, we are at war with our desire, and the chicken isn't winning, and we aren't winning. The act itself is winning bare bones and dimples. I watch him eat and chat for 45 minutes. Quiet tears, a burning tree, a glowing screen to free Americans at the new virtual dinner table, and out of irony, done with irony, desire unfolding as exhibition. This is an actual experience. This is real life. Unreality is not my muse. Jasper is beautiful in the heat of the night when he slaps that white cop in the empty train station in Memphis. I love watching him do this hallucination, get loose with the new food. I rewind and watch again. I am hungry and he feeds me with these images while I suck the last flesh from a mango seed while the badge falls onto the tracks, is flattened into beats while we weep and laugh free at last. Now that's charisma. Good on time, or yeah, great, yeah. yeah? A few more. All right. Um, I can do something different and read like a new prose. I'm writing a book on reparations. I have a prose piece that I could read from, or I could keep reading poems. I feel like it's like monotone or something. But what do you guys think, prose or poems? Prose. All right. Let's do this.
might not be able to find it. I don't know if it's on here. <laughs> um, I'll read this other piece on reparations and voodoo. So she teaches us, look for me in the whirlwind. She teaches us that voodoo was used as a means during slavery for slaves to break free from the slave master. When the slave wanted to break free from the master, the only way to get out a lot of times was to die. That's right, to die. And they had this antidote in voodoo that would cause the body to stop and the heart to stop and all that, the consciousness to leave the body and move to the nervous system. And the slave master would just come and check to see that the slave was dead, check the pulse or whatever, let the slaves bury them. But the family would be in and knowing that, nah, he's not dead or she's not dead. We're just faking out master so we can get him or her off the land so they can go get us some help so we can break free from the plantation. This is not life. This is death disguised at life. I know what life is. Life is splendid, Sun Ra said. In a riffs in a gorgeous, generous poem song somewhere between inheritance and transcendence. And what if he's right? Would we worry or zombie a little less or invent more verbs or honor the restless lurking in our performed domesticity if we knew we were involuntary participants in a grand and oh-so-fatalistic suicide culture that began with black bodies as capital real estate and fantasized about ending there in a carefully disguised eternal return we name entertainment, sports, mass incarceration? Would we opt out or go harder? It seems evidence is everywhere. We earn our continued oppression day by day, labor for it. What a genius mystic like Sun Ra accomplishes with his urgent call is naming it, creating a double entendre for so what and etching a map toward the exodus that devalues progress as we know it, or an understanding of the casual merits of an ancient future, a scoffing in the face of exclusivity, an overturning of the toxic myth that we have somehow made it or been civilized when it's clear that we've deteriorated as, as spirit beating, beings and physically been degraded, degraded and diluted ourselves, become puppets for our own subjugation, and then one day we kneel for the national anthem before a football game, and this is protest. And then the new Drake anthem is out, started from the bottom, now we're at rock bottom, but to have been seduced into acting as agents in our own devolution as a people, we had to be given words, phrases, an entire syntax and meaning factory and way of moving through space and time in the service of that steady diminishing. Where do those words hide and how are they glorified or embedded in, a com in common action so deeply that we miss them? How did we manage to become so disembodied that we lost track of what life is? And how do you expect to write effective poetry from outside of yourself? always gazing at your own spirit as other and looking for ways to contain it with art as, a art as opposed to using the cryptic and encrypted English language to liberate the spirit. Henrietta Lacks' Cells. Henrietta Lacks was a cervical cancer patient in John Hopkins Hospital when she unwittingly became the queen mother of stem cell research. 
without any informed consent, her cancer cells were cloned and survived the arduous cloning process. For years, researchers had been trying to clone cells of men and women and failing. It was discovered that the cells of black people are so resilient, even when cancerous, that they can survive the cloning process and replicate interminably. This was the first time this was ever accomplished after her cell line, deemed the immortal cell line, was successfully cloned in 1955. It trace, its traces become staples in cosmetics, household products, and all areas of, the med of medical research. In order to patent a semi-biological substance, it must derive from clones, not original cells, so yet another form of free labor was born in this trans transaction. Decades later, adulteration of Lax's body was acknowledged first by Morehouse College and then by additional institutions. Her family has not been paid for the secret harvesting of her cells. It continues today as an open secret. Um, anyways, that's not the piece I wanted to read anyway, so maybe I'll read one last poem and then we'll be good. Is there anything you guys want to hear me read from Go Find Your Father that any particular poem or no? All right. Um, The black entertainers quit copying me blues. No, for real, quit copying me. No, for real, quit copying me. Echo like a ghetto breeze in the suburbs. You can't help but trust and follow, follow all the way to us. And so I'm practicing the making of the sound I into a vacuum and out comes swoon. I said, quit copying me, okay? Okay, okay, love a nigga, she mumbles, squeezing his hand like a pencil or penicillin or pendulum or peninsula sun, three-sided dream come true in the fifth dimension. Guess, great, it passes on, passing on, it becomes remote. Having become remote, it returns. What you will know of me is the shadow of the arrow that has it, that hit its target. To remake myself and remake you, I return to my state of garden and shadow, code and tone, cool reality and well-lit fantasy that sells as what you think you know of me, or all you wish you'd stolen ship after ship after the acapella version of Tupac's black cotton over James Brown's big payback over Mary's mess angel costume. Few people know my whole name, he shouted from your mouth. Your insolence must be kept in bounds by dignity, but dignity's gotta be soul ruthlessly. Isn't history obnoxious compared to our best intentions? Didn't we posse up like we meant business and march right in on the pleasure principle like I place my cheek on the suede of his drum and that's where his speech comes from. Not another pilgrim, not guilt, not another wounded angel, but a magnetic person, not another gun in your mouth where I belong. Get it together, man, fumble for the switch. Together, we're making cartwheels and some reeling shadow wants to cloak the fringe and, and in it, why I'm your hero, natural, immortal, great day in the morning, knack for recognizing when indignation is a prison and escaping it with refuge. What we hide the word indigenous in the dozens once we dig it up. Yo, mama's so indigenous, the only English she speaks is singing. 
There she is with Jesus telling him to quit copying her while he bleeds through the cross and lives forever pentamorphic, pentamorphic pentatonic Yoruba blues strutting so what myth scientists and never makes the top 10 softest rappers in the game list and when he's highest he testifies I'll admit that was some costume gravity but it lifted us up cool all right thank you guys Yeah, that'd be fine. So, uh, short question and answer period. <laughs> yeah. If if That's we fine. have questions for, uh, this is a good time. If you need to like run to your next class, do it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a weird room. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll wait for peeps. <laughs> That's to, a good question. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the question. It gives you time to ponder. Time yeah. To. <laughs> Prose writing. Do you want to ask it again? Or? Yeah. Um, I think in prose I can just uh, tell more of a narrated story, whereas in poetry I want to be free to not have to be linear at all. Um, and in prose I can obviously be a bit more like of myself like politically I'm, I don't like writing like overtly political poetry besides in the way that I play with language um, but I can like state you know militant opinions so I look at some like Amiri has all these prose books of essays where you can just like write about um, the music or an out you know you can like go into it and the poetry is more about improvising with it and ripping riffing off of it and that kind of thing so it's freedom from improvisation but I prefer you know I like to keep them separate but I obviously poetry is the more fun register to write in it's just more of like a disciplinary process for the prose too do you write a lot of texts that are poems and Poems. Yeah, I write a lot of prose poems, but then more recently I've been working on a biography of Abby Lincoln, and then I've been working on these essays, just like a whole book I'm going to do on reparations. But it's just, it's an interesting break because it allows the poems to be freer, I think, if you're writing prose, because you can articulate yourself literally somewhere else, you know? I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I wonder whether there's my shortcoming, but you, 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 read, you read in such a breathless way Mm -hmm. as if one sentence piled on top of another and another and another, so that it was very difficult to understand it, but I, I kept the feeling of the depth. Mm -hmm. And so it seemed like you were more con 
concerned by that way of reading, but I actually got the feeling. Yeah. And the anxiety and the depth of it rather than the actual meaning, mm-hmm. because I seemed like it was difficult for me to like almost leverage all these different thoughts apart mm-hmm. in a crowbar. So is that <laughs> an intentional thing? Yeah. To, to kind of like separate the content in a way so it's only partially understood and only the kind of like moving feeling? I think so. I think that might come from my dance background and just like an overall concern with texture and tone and mood. Um, especially when I'm reading, it's different on the page because you can go and deconstruct the language, but I think the language I use as a tool to arrive at a certain mood or texture more. Um, though obviously, you know, I'm concerned with meaning too, but yeah, the music of it is more important to me. Mhm. It was just really literal. Like I was watching this kid who goes to college in DC, like eat himself to death daily and be paid you know he's got so many views and he's like clearly this really charismatic like gorgeous smart intelligent college student who's just like uh, addicted to food and there's a lot that he's like you know every video he's eating like a new you know it's just a lot so I was just thinking about obesity in this country and what we don't think of food as a drug a lot but I think in the context of this book I'm thinking of everything we do in our daily habits as possible addictive behavior so everything is under siege and that just seems it's so it's fascinating to me honestly from the standpoint of like how lonely we must be as a culture globally that we're that mukbangs are what people do for a living and then how addicted to you know food as a substance so and he's like dope he's really fun to watch too (laughs) so I couldn't engage it like with a good conscience without also being like what the fuck like he's just gonna die eating you're just gonna like watch him do this you know more people die from heart disease and obesity related causes than they do from the cops every year black people so um i think it's like jasper like if you google jasper mukbang or how do you say it mukbang i might say it wrong mukbang okay oh wow yeah, I mean, it's like most fast. I could do a whole book on mukbang once I learn how to say it. <laughs> it's dope. Um, yeah, I think the ones in Asian countries, like the first ones I saw were like people eating Korean food. And those were almost more fascinating because it's usually these like, you know, these small people just like piling on like, and they literally are like fetishizing, like eating American, you know, they're eating like fried chicken or there'll be somewhere it's like kimchi and, you know, whatever. But it's like, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, I found with this 
book, I'm not like that tired of the past, but I feel like what I've learned and, you know, like studying so many of the jazz archives and just all of those figures in detail points now to where we are. Like we are exactly kind of in that cycle now. So it just seemed like a lot of the things going on now with the way decadence is manifesting in a time of sort of pseudo-fascist or not even pseudo-fascist crisis, basically, um, relates back to that. But although it was like, you know, musicians being addicted to heroin or the things that were going on back then uh, were different, but it, like a similar thing is happening now, I think, um, with people like Young Thug or just like everything that's going on. I, there's a poem for Young Thug in here because you can't leave Young Thug out of your book. Um, but you know, it's just like all kind of revolving back around. And I think now what we're seeing is it's revolving back around into a generation that's a lot more um, apathetic. So it's, we're seeing it show up differently, but it's just fun, I guess, to compare. Sort of, yeah. I think it's just, yeah, like a connotation. Um, there's that movie Moonlight that's out that comes from, it's based on a play with a really beautiful title in Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. And I think like that writer, who's an amazing writer, you know, since like that's kind of how it feels. Um, so yeah. Who's your favorite to read? My favorite? Um, I I really love reading James Baldwin, um, Amiri. Those are like the people I always read. Recently, Ben Okri and Clarice Lispector. But yeah, those would be tops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been talking about how uh, kind of going into words sometimes we uh, find violence, um, cultures uh, clashing, and, and that kind of history. And mm-hmm. I noticed in, when I read your work, uh, but also tonight, um, uh, you know, uh, indigenous and uh, indignant, mm-hmm. things like that. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, your, your writing process and thinking about. I mean, it's usually almost purely improvised in that sense, and that, I think that's where you kind of arrive at those um, light bulb, you know, like associations between words is when you're just allowing yourself to move freely through the language. Um, so I think in that sense, I see like jazz as a poetic form because it can teach you how to move through language and find new notes within words that you wouldn't find if you were thinking in couplet, you know, it's just like a different way of thinking about getting a poem out. Um, that helps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you ever try and 
I mean, yeah, I never try and constrict myself. I haven't yet. Um, I try and constrict myself to quieter tones, like in the Jasmine Richards poem, um, but not to, like I'm firmly almost against <laughs> constricting myself to other forms just because of how, because there is no form, I guess, that like black people, like there's a mongrel form out there that I want to find that I think going into the Western tradition and trying to emulate those forms will prevent me from finding, I guess. There was a there was a poem that you read that the why you doing they were playing a song and there was a chorus singing in the background and to me at that moment it didn't quite succeed but to me it reminded a Greek drama mm -hmm. of, of your poem pitted against it, the sort of chorus mm -hmm. as, uh, in opposition to it. Have you considered using that form because it would fit very much in terms of like a general community commenting on mm -hmm. you know what the poet is saying yeah um no it's a cool idea but i haven't done it yet um besides with that like sampling yeah yeah just sam that was mary lou williams um from the black christ of the andes album so i was just like i'll do it with sound stuff but i haven't done it on the page yet yeah thanks Maybe one more Um, I totally agree. Um, that's sort of why I, this book became like a project for me to write about the personal, private. I feel like it's more heroic to have a private life and to be able to narrate a private life than to be able to be an entertainer, especially if you're an artist first, you know? Um, so those ideas of um, just like, that we need to make movies and write books about what happened when we were being victimized as opposed to what happened behind, you know, that voodoo idea or what happens like outside of that. Um, the Gullah Wars and things, other things I bring up in this book where it's like we were taking land and we were doing things that weren't just like in the victim role. So I totally agree. I think those, it's kind of upsetting that we don't see more. Um, that we aren't even, we don't imagine more toward that, you know? Mm. Let's have one more hand. So. Yeah. Um, now that you think about what you said you were writing now, about mm -hmm. reparations. Yeah. And so, and I see, well, you've been writing about reparations with kind of these poets. And yeah. And it's been a topic kind of yeah. a topic now. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but I was kind of wondering what your, what maybe perspective you're thinking about. Or yeah. Yeah, the way I've been thinking about it is sort of it relates back to the eating shows and things like that about reparations beginning in the body. And so the piece I was looking for about my father that's a prose piece about reparations was just he ended up basically passing away like in between jail and the hospital. And that happens to a lot of black people sometimes. They spend their last days or weeks in jail, you know. But also talking about like rehabilitation in that context and talking about how basically the site of reparations is the actual body. So like how you feel when you wake up, um, 
what you're moved to do if you get up and play a video game or get up and run, like trying to bring it back into like a quotidian space and like then back to like people eating themselves to death or, you know, trying to deconstruct those daily habits as opposed to thinking that it's like external because we already have like that Martin Luther King's, you know, we're here to cash a check, but like, what are we gonna do if we're sick? <laughs> like, we'll, we'll cash a check, we're mentally ill, we're sick, we can't move, you know, sitting in front of computers eating chicken. Like, I don't need a check to do that. <laughs> like, so just that's where I'm, it seems like a fun, it's been fun to like think of it that way. Because <laughs> then you can think, you know, you can think about like hair braiding and, you know, knowing basic skills of like how to do certain things that just, help you have a culture instead of thinking about like money and land only. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean there's there's also I think we're in a moment because of how factionalized everything is, like there are very militant it's not just mukbangs on YouTube. There's like people, you know, super militant black people and who are like so anti, you know, there's like Malcolm X is out there right now just like operating on YouTube <laughs> and there's like the opposite. So it's interesting to think about the way those people think about their bodies and think about melatonin is a, it's basically like black supremacy, which I don't condone or not condone. I just think it's really interesting and to think about like they feel good because they decided that they're beautiful and that their bodies are high-functioning, you know. And so that's cool. It's interesting to think about. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody. Cool. The pump's yeah, it's hard. I don't know. I feel like it's so quiet. I felt awkward. It's like you're on trial. Yeah, yeah. Like when you're down the level. Yeah. We're not on the same level. I always yeah. think it's like, what? The, the readings usually go, I feel like I was like so quiet. Normally I feel like things are like more. It's so quiet in here. Yeah. Because I told everybody to be quiet. Yeah, yeah. Because the noises they'd be making. Yeah, it would, wouldn't be conducive. Would be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Can I just a little bit? Yeah.